You be proud of this game, and you can do a great deal for football today. Great deal for all the players and the league and everything else. Oh, I see him looking. I'm closing. <laughs> I was born in it. Molded by it. Yeah, so they, they got to wake up with their piss out. You're talking about Rasool. Hey, what up? It's Mercedes Lewis here, a.k.a. Big Dog. And you're listening to Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Go Pack Go. Hello and welcome to another edition of Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the number one Packers podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer once again joined this week with Andrew. Andrew? Hey, hey. Hey. Uh, you know what was cool this week? I don't. Uh, the Packers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and won Tom Brady at a score of 12 to 14. A very odd score. Very fun weekend. Yeah. A very fun weekend, especially mm. after the noon games. I feel like my blood was pumping. Mm. Um I'm, I'm in a survivor board. I run a couple survivor boards. Yes, we've and you know we have our secret audio at the end yeah. of episodes, and that was the secret audio <laughs> yes. last week. Yes, but I actually there was seven people left in one of the boards, and it ended with the Colts game or the Colts winning, I think, and I don't know. It was just chaos. Yeah, how chaos. often do survivor boards last? Only three weeks. I mean, it was a smaller <laughs> one. We only had like seventeen entrants or whatever, but still, that is yeah wild. Yeah, right. Fair. Yeah. So it was a good week. Yeah, a lot of good football, a lot of good games, uh, especially early games that you didn't expect to be good games. There, there were a lot of close games. It was kind of a weird week of football. I mean, once again, back to us, the 12 to 14 score, let alone, I mean, just halftime was strange and then having to regroup after that. Well, I think the biggest thing for me and a talking point I've kind of had mm. is when amongst, you see... Amongst yourself? I mean, this is, yeah, just thinking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when you think... Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Uh-huh. You're not expecting a what, like twelve to six score at the end of the third I was, quarter? Well, I was trying to warn you. What did I tell you right the when under. I got here no, on yeah. Sunday? That's a hundred percent true. You said under under. Yep. You know? I said I yeah. wanted to text you on the way, but uh, you know, I don't wanna have someone bet money that they then lose, but mm-hmm. I never bet on the Packer game, either on the Packers or over under. Yep. I'm and glad I you was did, like an under was Either way, I just took the pack straight yeah. up, and it worked out just fine. Yeah, I suppose. Yes. But because uh, yeah, it was pack minus one, and they won by two with that missed uh, two point conversion. Yes, very so, true. Okay. Yes. But yeah, it was a, a good game. I mean, defensive game again. Not what you expect going into it, but I. Eh, I think some of us. Expected. Some people, obviously, the Vegas expected it. I just mean like. <laughs> Uh, oh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You know, yes, you're thinking on, touchdown, touchdown, on the surface, touchdown. Yes, you know, you always whatever. Think it's it's kind of uh, like the Chiefs game last year too, where it ended yeah. up being Mahomes versus uh, Jordan Love, and that was a pretty low scoring game as well. Right. So yes. it was just a, a a different. Yeah, like you said, on the surface, for what you look at the names, you're thinking, boom, that's that. So yes, it was a good game. Yes, a fun game, and we will get into that, of course, as we do every week. We will have our pick six, the Lynn Lake. Pick six pack. We will have the six plays that shape the game. After that, we will break down the offense, then the defense. We will have Is Kyle an Idiot? Some Packers trivia. And then, of course, preview the Patriots game. No, we also have a uh, full Spencer oh, segment yes. this no. week. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the segment is called Stump Spenny. Yes, Andrew uh, even prepared uh, his own question this week, which Kyle would you know forget to do at times. So we'll see how that goes. But yes, uh, first, though, pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Pick six. 
All right, the Lynn Lake Pick 6 six-pack of the week. Uh, reminder, once again, and we did get the update, they have officially Lynn Lake Brewing in Uptown Minneapolis has released their newest beer, the Mohawk Poodle. So once again, if you need a spot to watch the Packer game on Sunday in the Twin Cities, head to Lynn Lake in Uptown. A huge uh, big screen right there over the over yes. the uh, Lynn Lake they road. A, they have a big screen for you to look at to watch the game. <laughs> Uh, moving on, the first pick six play. Jumping right into it, uh, the first drive of the game. Bucks have the ball. Uh, they are driving, of course, facing a third and five on Green Bay's twenty-one. Brady gets the snap, looks around, and very quickly is sacked by one Kenny Clark. I mean, sack is kind of a. I don't want to say it's the easiest sack Kenny will ever have because he did beat his guy, but he literally just put a hand. Brady on kind Tom of falls Brady, down, and Brady. Topples over like a 45-year-old probably should, but that led to the field goal. Bucks were really moving the ball I, that first I was going to say, too. I really, really, really think of all the pick six plays, this one is a defining moment mm. because... I was I was scared. I was like, okay, they're gonna this this game's gonna go over, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I it, it was gonna be a bunch of points, <laughs> not an overreaction on the first. We drive. stopped them. Well, yeah, you know, but I know it just seemed like they were moving the ball so easy. Every run, every pass, like it just yep. it just it was just such good flow they had going, and that sack kind of took a bit of momentum out of there. So that was that was absolutely nice to see, and then obviously holding them to the field goal there, huge. Yeah, it's kind of like what I said. I think week one, where if we would have just stopped them on the first drive, that third, that first third down could have been a different game. And here, you know, yes. kind of a similar type situation. But yes, uh, Bucks kick a field goal, making it three to nothing. Next pick six play, Packers first drive facing a third and six. Once again, very early on their first drive. Rodgers throws out wide in the flat to Randall Cobb. There's two guys right in front of him. Top of the screen. Moving to the left, he immediately just kind of a... He had his back turned to the two defenders, caught the ball, and just a quick juke, ran past both of them. And, of course, it's Randall Cobb, so he picked up the first down, and eventually that led to a Romeo Dubs touchdown, making it 7-3. to three. Which we heard his name so many times, I feel like. Who? Dubs. Yeah. Throughout that game. I mean, I I was in awe, like especially <laughs> with Lazard back. I did not expect for him to have as much attention from Rodgers as he got. And maybe you did. I just I just thought yeah, it was a, I was, a ton. I wasn't too taken back because Christian Watson was out. Sammy Wa- Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins. God, that's so yeah. tough to always keep straight. They were both out, so someone had to catch the ball. Obviously, maybe we were thinking more of the veterans, and Randall Cobb did have a great game there too. Uh, like we said, converting that third down too. I've... If nothing else, Cobb showed more of that speed this right. game as well. But yeah, once again, all this set up, and this was kind of a Romeo Dubs drive as well. The play before the touchdown was also Romeo Dubs getting it right on like the two yard line. Which exactly, yes. I just remember there being a time where I was like, it was like Dubs, Dubs, Dubs. You heard mm. like six, you know, his name six times in a two minute period. But to your last point, was I expecting veterans? Maybe, but if you listen last week, you know mm. I was big on Tunyon. So <laughs> you're also big on uh, Sammy Watkins too. And he yes, was, yes, yeah. yes, I was. Yeah, so that made it seven to three. You know, starting feeling a little bit better there. Offense is looking pretty good against the best defense in the league. But after that, uh, and after a three and out from the Bucks, Packers are driving third and one on the Bucks thirty. Rogers takes the handoff. Rolls out to the left and eventually throws it to Tyler Davis, who's just running out in the flat. Looked like it was, you know, just something to pick up a first down, but he ended up picking up 20. 
making it to the six-yard line. I guess it was not exactly 20, it was 24. And the next play, Alan Lazard scores his touchdown and pretty quick after pukes his brains out, making it 14-3. to Is that the one where... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's the next... That's coming up in the Dear future. Dear God, keep your yep. shit together. I yes. know. It's... <laughs> but yeah, no, that... Uh, Alan Lazard... Once again, he's kind of going back to what uh, what he you know going into this year, he's the number one receiver. Rodgers is called him the number one receiver, and he's kind of back to the you know picking up first downs, being that reliable guy at the sticks, and you know again here to caught the touchdown to make it fourteen three, which was the last points that the Packers scored in this game. I mean, but that's all you can ask for him too, being reliable. You know, he's not a. I mean, he's a veteran more so than our other guys, but mm-hmm. he's not like he's been with us for what? How long has it been? Four years. Yeah, something like that. So they have a relationship, you know. I mean, and he was always the, I'd say, number two guy, obviously, after Devontae. And it was just, yeah, I mean, it's a solid playmaker when we need him. This is true, yeah. And we'll see what uh, what he does going forward here, too, especially once uh, Christian Watson comes back. Next pick six play, score is still 14-3. to Bucks get the ball back and very quickly have a three and out, give it back to the Packers. Packers get the ball and once again march right down the field. They are facing a third and goal on the five with under a minute left. Aaron Jones, you know, runs a quick angle route out of the backfield, catches it, and as he is high pointing the ball, you know, brings it back down and gets smacked from behind from Vita Vey, the defensive tackle who is back in coverage. Smacks the ball out. Uh the Bucks recover in the end zone, and that was obviously probably, you know, you said that first play was your favorite pick six play. This is obviously being a turnover might have been a little bit more important. Sure. You might have forgot, a, you know, most people forgot about that third down, but this play was obviously the big momentum shift. Packers don't score again after this when even if Jones just holds onto the ball, making it 17 points, Who's different fault? game as well. Whose fault is that? That fumble there. I mean, like, is it like a great defensive play or is that like Aaron Jones wasn't securing the ball enough and trying to be a little bit too greedy for a touchdown? Like where, where it's, do you say if you, you know, like in baseball, you have errors, right? And they're saying, oh, that was an error. And you assign it to someone. Yeah, where no, does I, that come I understand. Which is it's, it's tough. Cause it, I mean, anytime you fumble, it's your fault. So it's okay. It's more so Aaron Jones fault, but it was a shitty situation. He was, you know, stood up a little higher when he got the ball and just smacked from behind. Not a ton you could do. This was also the first uh, fumble Aaron Jones has had off a reception since the NFC Championship game in 2020 against the Bucks, which wasn't exactly the best feeling to get from it. But yes, uh, I don't know. Not, not a very fun play. Not something you expect to see out of Aaron Jones and... Especially if he's your uh, king on your DraftKings, you know, so <laughs> okay, yeah. there's that. I don't know how much we need to get into that. But yes, that was <laughs> obviously a big turning point and, you know, kept the score 14 to three. The next pick six play, the fifth one, after a third quarter of nothing, we've already fast forward to the last drive. The Bucks have picked the Packers apart, just a little dinky, dinky dunk shit all the way down to the one yard line with. 16 seconds left, third down. Brady finds Gage in the middle, who gets absolutely smacked by Razul Douglas from behind. Watching the play live, I was like, fuck, did he drop it? Did he drop it? Is the ball still there? But yes, he did. For Gage had quite the day, too. For, I, he I was fu- going to say, the turnovers. only name that we heard more than, than Dob Dubs was f- fucking Gage. Yeah. And it was consistently. Yeah, and so he, after the fumble early, caught this touchdown to... Potentially tie the game up, but that does just make it 12 to 14. 
Moving on to the final pick six play, and I think you might know what this is. You know, after taking a delay of game penalty, which we'll get into later too, uh, Bucks are on the seven. Brady takes the snap, rolls to the right, throws for Gage again, but Devondre Campbell just barely gets a hand on it. Smacks the ball away. Savage could have been there as well, but the ball falls incomplete. Game is over. Packers win. Right. So you said we'll get into this later, but mm-hmm. I assume you're going to talk you about it up now. the play clock. Sure. Yeah. Is that so? I've seen a lot of Twitter Brady fans and or uh, Tampa fans say, "Oh, you should have 25 seconds." But it sounds like in a two point conversion, if I don't know if like the clock is already expired or something, it's only 20 seconds. Yes. And that's yeah. part of that, like why it went back to the seven yard line. So do you have more insight onto the ruling on that? Because from what I've seen, it is actually the correct rule, but you have to like go into a few different layers of superseding rules Jesus. to find it. But it is the right and official <laughs> ruling from so what I've seen. I, I'm not quite sure exactly what you're talking about. So there's different after the score, the clock is supposed to keep running. That is the rule. But the other point of the delay of game that I think most people were talking about was that it goes to the zeros. And then you have that extra half second. Rodgers, even after the game, was saying that uh, it looked like uh, <laughs> they could have been called for delay a game the previous play as well, which I thought was fine watching the game as well. I think you were wondering if uh, if that should have been a flag. Well, but if, if once it hits zero, do you throw a flag? But then I think after, again, seeing tweets and, and talking, it's like an extra second or there's, something. Yeah, there's a weird kind of extra full second, it seems, in Rogers. That's the thing. Every, if people are complaining about it, it's, it's stupid, especially because I think even after the game, Rogers said that they could have got him on the play previous, and it's like, well, no one gets away with it more than you, so right. we can't really complain about it. I was fine hey, with Kettle. it. Hey, Kettle. Yes. No, yeah. sure. That makes sense. So there's a couple things that I've seen as well and uh, about that two-point conversion specifically. Mm-hmm. Is there something where, like, Rogers, you know, because we call the timeout after the delay of game. Yes. We called an additional timeout. So I've seen a theory floating that Rogers saw on the Jumbotron, like a, the, they zoomed in on Brady's pad and he had the play, the passing play that they were going to throw. So then they call a timeout and, and basically inform the defense. Yeah. Is that yeah. true? So I, I don't think so. So, Andrew, you're, of course, referencing after the game. Aaron Rodgers said that uh, the Jumbotron guy showed something that he shouldn't have, and Rodgers talked to Coach, and that might have helped him out on the two-point play today. And yesterday, Devondre Campbell was on Clubhouse Live where he said that in practice that week, they had literally practiced that play twice, like that exact play, and he I, he might have even got beat on it. So he said he was ready for it then on the two-point conversion. Okay. There was also Rodgers, you know, he's saying he saw something, he told Coach, they haven't gotten into specifics on that. I, Roger said today on Pat McAfee as well that it wasn't something on the iPad, but that's what a lot of people assumed as gotcha. well after the game. Because I remember even the replay on Fox, at one point you saw Brady's iPad, what he was holding. We saw the couple right. of Right, I think were they there. were like showing that specifically because obviously he's you know breaking them yes. as we've talked about. Yes. They want to <laughs> see that happen. So no, that makes that makes complete sense. Yes, a lot of a lot of it's always fun getting into the nuances of rules in the NFL. But well, yes. and then the last thing, the last thing I've seen about this game specifically uh-huh. is that like, did they cut the AC on the pack? That's <laughs> like what the so that's, that's the why yeah so that's very much home field advantage. The Andrew is referencing after the game, uh, a lot of players talked about this how. The team did not have AC in the locker room. Uh, Raymond James Stadium, I believe, is one of the older 
stadiums in the league as well. So is that just if it, if it doesn't have AC and they know that going into it, that's one thing. If they took out the fuses for the AC <laughs> for the away locker room, that's a whole nother thing. We might have to just start an investigation I, and see I, what's going on here. But no, there's there's different uh, home field advantages. I can't remember what stadium, but I know like I think in college there's one where the visitors' locker room is all painted pink on the that's inside. That's Iowa. I only know this because I dug way too far into <laughs> is the legality of that, and I, I couldn't find anything. And I guess there isn't rules that say you yeah. must provide air conditioning sure. to uh, an away team. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's Miami. Know. Same thing, right? Like home field advantage. Yes. You know, they're the biggest one with with the sun on yes. the away team. Well, that's part of it too. I don't know if you see. You probably didn't notice this, but on Sunday, Packers. You know, we were obviously playing in Tampa, like we're talking about. Yeah. Usually uh, in the NFL, if you're wearing a white jersey, your white jersey is your away jersey for the most part. However, right. hot weather teams like the Bucks, like the Dolphins, their home jersey is white to reflect the sun. So Packers playing their away game wearing Genius. jerseys on Yeah, so no, that makes another, all too much yes, sense. Very, very important facet of the game. But yes, moving on, we will now talk about the offense. Obviously, I mean, just talking about it there and watching the game. Very weird game on offense. All of it came in the first half. Not much in the second half. And even when you say all of it, that that's still not a ton, right? Yeah. I mean, it was... It's, And I, I don't know the best way to bring this up, but something that kind of stuck with me a couple of weeks ago is Matt LaFleur in one of his press conferences saying that everything they, that they do, they do on purpose. And we think of the success of the Green Bay Packers very early on with Aaron Rodgers even. A lot of big plays. A lot of quick plays. Deep bombs to Jordy, Greg Jennings, whoever. And it's not that the Packers won't take deep shots. We obviously saw that the first right. game of the year, first play of the year. But now it's a lot more so, especially with the defense, we think we have controlling the game, controlling the ball, not making mistakes. And that's why, you know, even... You know, it wouldn't take a lot for the Packers to not even get that last drive that they had in the first half where Aaron Jones fumbled, but it was literally just three possessions in the first half. That's kind of what they want to do with the quality, not quantity, of possessions and plays. Right, so team. we're not seeing long bomb Hail Marys. We're seeing consistent seven-yard outs, and, and that's just first downs and consistent yep. moving the ball downfield, which is great for wins. But sometimes then you hear people say, oh, that was a boring game because you're not seeing crazy, you know, slants where, where you get 30 yards consistently four times in a, in a, in a drive. Yeah, sure. It, yeah, I know what you're saying. And it's it's still a work in progress, too. Like we've said, we're still I mean, every week now we've had a different type of lineup on the offensive line. Every week we've had different guys out at wideout. So it's still it's nice to be two and one while still discovering what the fuck we're going to be on offense with these new pieces. And even, you know, we've talked about a little bit in the past, and I think I have it lined up to talk about later, but we've talked a lot about the short yardage situations where we run the ball. If it's third and short, fourth and short, and we get pissed off for running the ball out of shotgun, a big part of that, I mean, obviously we kind of know, but, and they've pressed Matt LaFleur on this and, as well, but he did go into depth a little bit more about it this week, but it's just the options that you have out of the shotgun position. So, right. We obviously don't like running it out of there in short yard situations. Defense knows what's going on. But more than anything with Matt LaFleur's offense, it's showing several things when you could be doing, you know, you're only going to do one of those things. So taking the ball out of the shotgun snap with A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones lined up right next to Aaron Rodgers, he's doing these read option plays. So he could either give the ball to the running back, he could keep the ball and run, or he can throw it. So keeping that type of, 
you know, keeping it up in the air on fourth down. Defense doesn't know what you're going to do. You have that option, you know, the read option. Say, have, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league at, at picking the read option. Exactly. Right? So Reading the defense. So that's what they're going for in these high-pressure situations like that. It just sucks because if he does decide to run the ball, you're at a bit of a disadvantage because you have to do it out of the shotgun. But right. you would still think that your two-time, you know, back-to-back MVP quarterback now is going to make the right call there. So it's... You know, it's keeping your options open, but fuck, you could still do that same thing running in a standard formation under center, running back right behind you, and you could still do play action, whatever. But oh, for yes, sure. That's just part of it. Uh, moving on, quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, pretty good at football. The f- It, once again, was very clearly a <laughs> two ha- two different halves of football. Um, he It felt like everything was complete. You know, the first quarter, Especially, I think it was like his first, I think his first eight throws were all completions, but he did finish with a pretty good game. 27 out of 35, 255 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. Uh, first half, like I said, pretty pretty dominant. Not, I don't think he really had any mistakes. The only one was that throw to Dylan that might have been a little behind. He's still kind of hesitating on some plays, especially the second half. Like he has Romeo Dubs just wide open on slants, and he decides to hold on to the ball waiting for a deep shot, and he obviously had that pick, which was pretty bad, and he's already on pace. Oh, man. Rodgers has two picks on the season. If he keeps this pace, it would be the most picks he's had since his rookie or his first year starting. That is, I mean, obviously, it's way too early. I know you're (laughs) prestigious here. But were all of his points in the first quarter, like both those touchdowns were in the first, first quarter, right? Uh, like the first two drives was it? Yeah, it was. We only had three drives in the first quarter, and they all should have been touchdowns. Okay, sure. Yeah, but that, that's that's what I wanted to know. Very good. Okay, moving on to the running backs. You know, of course, every time I hype up someone, the next week they kind of come back down to earth. Obviously, I still think that this <laughs> that this team is going to move the ball mostly through the ground game, or at least more consistently. But Sunday wasn't very good. The backs both averaged uh, just two point eight yards per carry. The Bucks do have a top five run D, so you gotta, you know, obviously yeah, take. Yeah, I was gonna result. ask, what is that compared to what they're giving up so far to the other running backs? You know what I mean? The yards per carry. I, I I'll look. Yeah, but it's, it's still it's, early. On. Obviously, it's too early. Or sorry, obviously that's that's still a not great stat, but it might be at least average or better than sure. what they've done so far against other running backs this season. He did have the one run early on for eight yards, but that was far and away the largest run he had of the day. Other than that, I don't, it was, it's nice to have the offensive line back and it's a tough front, but they still struggled in run blocking, especially in the interior there. Uh, Josh Myers is just all over the place. Uh, We did also have AJ Dillon, obviously he had the drop of the flat. Like I talked about, it was the first play from AJ Dillon where I remember being, let down usually like I can't remember really a bad play I believe he's fumbled in the past he, I think it actually is second year he had some fumble fumbling problems but for how much we've kind of built up his hands for how much he was uh hounded for it coming out of the draft this was the first time seeing him really drop the ball Rogers first incompletion um and with him too I so I love AJ Dillon I talked about this earlier this year too but I'm starting to wonder if he really is going to be, you know, if you need three yards, he's going to give you three yards. If you need 10 yards, he's going to give you three yards. It's it's kind of strange because he, on pro football focus, like last year, he was the number one running back according to pro football focus. This year, he's the ninth highest rated rusher in the NFL. 
However, at the same time, he's only averaging 3.5 yards a carry, which would be 42nd in the NFL, which is a little important when you're a running back. Is that kind of a contradictory opinion then from PFF? Well, once again, it, we never know with these grades exactly how to look at them because, sure. you know, we're not – they're looking at every single play and they're looking, you know, other people might have different opinions. They're in they their basement the, watching. We're in ours watching, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't get it. it. It's funny, too, because right after the draft, and people have seen this clip, but the PFF, the pro football focus guys, like railed on the Packers for drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round saying how bad he was. And then last year, they made him the number one. Uh, That's actually in the crazy. I yeah. mean, that they went ahead and did that. I think a lot of people or organizations would like uh, stick with their opinion so they didn't get like ridiculed for having bad judgment in the future. You know, so it's props to them for going with how they actually rank the players and putting out the real information or, or what have I you. I suppose. I suppose. And maybe they're just doing this to uh, gaslight the Packers into thinking A.G. Dillon is a great player when he's just, you know, average. But Sure, yeah. They have a secret <laughs> agenda against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. One of them is a big Viking guy, so who knows. Uh, moving on to wide receiver. And I think everyone knows where we're going to go with this. Our uh, Lord and Savior won Romeo Dubs, his coming out party. First career touchdown, he did have eight receptions and 73 yards. Pretty, pretty good for a rookie. He was the first Packers rookie receiver to have eight catches since 1975. Uh, he Wild. Yeah. For for all the rookies in the NFL this year at receiver, he is first in catch catching percentage, first in pass rating when targeted, uh, yards after catch. He's fourth in catches and fourth in receiving yards. Once again, pretty good for a guy who was taken in the fourth round. I want to make sure I heard you correctly there. You said that he is the first receiver in since 1975 to get eight catches, or is that rookie receiver rookie for the Packers? Receiver, okay, yes, I was, was like, that is yeah, insane. No. Devontae had a game I, last I, I, year yeah, where I think I, he had like 15, 16 Okay, because I, I, so. I, yeah, that, thank you. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I I love Romeo Dubs more than anything else. I You know, he seems to be so far very consistent. Uh, everyone talks about rookie mistakes. He really does not seem to make any mistakes. He is a hard worker. I've heard nothing but good things out of Matt LaFleur talking about Romeo Dubs. And something else which I love about him is he feels like an instant upgrade on all the small shit plays that we have. You know, I talked about last week with the screen where he excelled. It was one of the best wide receiver screens I feel like we've seen in recent memory. And then this this week, too, he was the you know safety valve for Rodgers on these rollout plays. And the one, which looked like it should have only been a one to two yard gain, he turned up field for 11 yards and a first down. So he seems like an instant upgrade in this short, short shit passing game where he's always just a plus player in these situations. So, yeah, I mean, consistent and fun to watch. That's how many targets do you know? Do you have that in front of you? How many he had? He had the eight receptions and eight targets. He caught wow. every ball that was thrown his way. Yes. Yeah. So, especially when Christian Watson comes back. I feel like Romeo Dubs, once again, is going to be that consistent guy there, and Christian Watson could be that deep ball threat and more explosive player. That is eight for eight on the rookie. That's, I'm so impressed still. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh. Uh, moving on, Alan Lazard, pretty good game as well. Like I said earlier, felt like a throwback Lazard game. He only had the four receptions, but one was a touchdown. Two were uh, first down pickups on third down, and the other one was the deep play action play for 26 yards. So pretty, pretty nice to have him back in the line. In the lineup, he's still a beast blocking. He had the cutback. There was a video that went kind of viral. He had the cutback block on Davis for Tampa Bay where, I mean, Lazard just fucking hockey checks him pretty much right in the chin. 
it almost it, it was so violent it looked like it should have been a penalty even though it was a completely fair Oh, you gotta love those plays, and he's fun to watch. I mean, I've said that like about everyone because you know, obviously they're all fun to watch. My favorite thing of the week, mm-hmm. but I mean, giving him back on the field, you can tell it's it's a huge momentum boost for for the team and having you know consistent guys to throw to. Yeah, I do wonder what his role is going to be like. Not so much this year, but you know, he's on a one year contract. We have Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson in front of him. He's you know, Allen's more so a perimeter type guy. I Are mean, we paying him quite a bit? I mean, no, he, oh. he's getting paid very, very little. Okay. I, I think it's only like $3 million with the restricted tender that he got, but we'll see. Just something I'm starting to think about. And of course, to finish it off, Randall Cobb, if Randall Cobb is active, he will convert a first down on third down in the game, which of course he did early on, which we talked about. And I think everyone was surprised with how fast he looked on that uh, 40 yard reception he had where he caught it and just ran past people. It was a little. It was without the touchdown, but it looked kind of like the big uh, touchdown against the Bears in 2018 for that uh, go-ahead go ahead score. Uh, moving on to tight end, Robert Tanyan, who we obviously love talking about. Huge Steve, fan. How many receptions do you think he had in this game? God, I think he had three. He had six. I was very Really? Su- yeah, I was very surprised looking back at the, ba- at the box score. Six receptions, only the 37 yards, but... He was, you know, he was involved. It's nice to get that tight end involved once again. He, which I pointed out to you too, once again, this was obviously David Bakhtiari's um, <laughs> second game back from injury. It was kind of funny to see like first time starting sure. 600 or whatever games. It's like, well, he did play against the Lions. First but... time back this year. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes, 100%. But because Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were both playing in this game, I was watching Tunyon and he did not line up in line. It felt like for at least the first half. So he's I kept playing looking. as a receiving tight end more than a blocking tight end with these two guys back. Yep, instead of having him set up right next to the tackle, cool. they just set him off. So he's pretty much just in the slot. Got it. The slot receiver. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Love seeing him out there. Uh, Tyler Davis was pretty much the only other tight end to talk about in the game. Had that long pickup. Once again, he's just always... I don't, I don't think he's going to be much more than a one reception tight end the rest of this year, you know, I this offseason, there was a little bit of hype. I thought maybe he could have been the tight end one. I don't think any of us thought Tony would be playing right now anyways. But we'll get these little kind of spurts from Tyler Davis uh, here on out, I would think. At least, you know, Big Dog doesn't even have a reception this year. I'm not sure how many routes he's even run. So Tyler Davis seems to be picking up that slack a little bit. Moving on to the offensive line. Big story going into this game, like I just mentioned. David Bakhtiari, first game back, you know, I'd say completely, but he did at least start a weird rotation with him and Yash Nyman. But he did ended they stop that rotation midway through the game, or did it continue throughout? Because I, I remember it happening, and then I feel like towards the end of the third quarter, we just basically saw Bakhtiari through the rest of the game. Yeah, no, it. I do believe they stuck with it. Okay. Even uh, in the press box at the game, uh, someone from Packers PR told the media members what the plan loosely was for David Bakhtiari after the first series, but they did pretty much just swap every other. Uh, Yash finished with 28 snaps, and David had 35 snaps. Well, as a quick tidbit, everyone Mm -hmm. knows how much I have always depended on PFF. I've Mm -hmm. been a huge Mm -hmm. fan forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, They rated, I believe, Bakhtiari number one overall. Um, of the of the week oh yeah yeah i think he 
Yeah, I think it was. I know. That's the only PFF set I've actually ever known. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I saw as well that, especially early on, which you wouldn't think because it's not exactly David Bakhtiari's game, but they did run behind him quite a bit. Yeah. He's one of the better pass blocking. He probably is, when healthy, the best pass blocking tackle in the league, but they were even feeling confident enough to run behind him. So that was nice to see as well. Uh, Josh Myers, the center. Kind of an interesting week for him. There's been a lot of discussions on the internet uh, if he's good. <laughs> uh, ben Fennel, who's one of the guys who reviews film online, he didn't really get into it, but him and Andy Herman from uh, fuck, Pack a Day podcast. Yeah. I liked what Ben said. He said pretty much every play for Josh Myers is either a D minus play or an A minus play. Uh, you wouldn't think of it because, you know, we. He's a second-year player. thought maybe he's played more, but this was only the 10th game he's ever played in his NFL career. So either way, you know, a lot of potential going forward, but he does have, you know, he, he looks great in space sometimes where he'll absolutely bulldoze someone, but then other times he gets beat immediately at the line of scrimmage where I almost wonder if he really is too tall to play center. He's, I think, 6'7". Do you think yeah. it's more of a mental thing with him? Because, like, uh, that's a pretty big range, right, to go from an A to a D? <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know. I mean, is it like the guy's not – obviously, he's in it. but I like, don't know. It, it depends. It You know, different pass blocking moves that you use. If you're kind of trying to, you know, stay back a little bit more, maybe that'll work. And then the next time you're a little bit more aggressive and they use your weight just to pull you forward. Sure. Something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fucking offensive line coach. So, I don't know. Either way, we'll see what happens with them. And on the right side of the line, too – Royce Newman didn't have a great game. I'm, I've his once again going back to Pro Football Focus. His pass blocking grades are like in the 30s for average on the season. So we'll see if eventually Zach Tom gets in there and gets some snaps on the offensive line. How many sacks did we allow? Have you said that in what in this the, game? This in, game in that game we had just the one sack. So wasn't wasn't too bad, but still I don't know it. For the most part, and he said after the game, too, that he felt really good about where the offensive line was. So I am not too concerned. But, uh, yeah, that's... If you're not concerned, then he's not concerned. I'm not concerned. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just follow just follow me and Aaron. But, uh, yeah, that's it for the offense. Still a work in progress. Still a run and gun team. But uh, we'll see what happens going forward. And with that, we will have a quick commercial break. We are back with the defense. Once again, uh, a Packer, very Packers-type game, letting up points on the first drive and then kind of settling down after that, the whole bend-don't-break. But it was a new type of win for this team. Every time we have a low-scoring game, it doesn't happen too often. I think back to the Jets game back in the year we won the Super Bowl in 2010, where I think the score was 9 to nothing. But Mac, uh, Max, Matt Schneidman did pull this. Uh, fun fact out, the Packers entering Sunday were 3-27 and when scoring 14 points or fewer since Rodgers took over. The other three wins came against Trubisky, <laughs> Jay Cutler, and Mark Sanchez. So obviously this is a to do this against Tom Brady is nice as well. And once again, in two of those three games, uh, that was the Super Bowl season. So I mean, there was a time when if Aaron Rodgers and the offense didn't put up 27 points, we're probably going to lose. Oh, I mean, yeah. Our defense it, was literally just... One, you'd hope that one time they stop them because our offense is scoring every time. You right. know, I mean, for like three years, I feel like. Yeah, it's, oh, God, even more than that. Most of the McCarthy era after Dom Capers kind of lost his way for what felt like 
freaking five seasons in the sure. middle there. But even Rogers' first year starting when they went six and ten, it felt like the defense gave up like I think I think there was legitimately four wins where the defense just let up the lead in the fourth quarter and Rogers wasn't able to do anything outside of that. But uh yeah. Either way, I'm fine with the defense right now. It's nice to win one of these games, albeit they didn't have their top three wideouts. But to beat a veteran quarterback like Tom Brady, pretty impressive. They are also the uh, best third down defense in the league right now, the Green Bay Packers. So it's nice, and hopefully they'll just continue with the success going forward. Moving on to uh, all the positions, starting off at corner. Once again, Andrew, you <laughs> you uh, asked about this week one, I think. How good are our corners? Well, according to Pro Football Focus. Love them. They're good. Uh, they, the top three corners all have a 70-plus coverage grade, and they're the only uh, tandem or uh, trio in the league to have that high of a rating, so that's pretty good. The big thing coming out of this game is, of course, Jair, Alexander, Jair Alexander's health. He hurt his groin in the first quarter, never came back. He was in good spirits, and so far all the news has been positive. They haven't practiced yet this week, but he was in good spirits. Doesn't sound like it'll be anything long term, and the way uh, you know some guys picked up their game, I'm not too worried. Uh, Rezul Douglas, he struggled a little bit in the slot. He was just so good out on the perimeter last year, almost like he had more time to read the quarterback and the receiver to make plays on the ball. And now this year in the slot, he's struggled a little bit. I mean, he still made a couple of nice plays at the line of scrimmage, but there was a couple of plays on Sunday where the receiver pretty much just ran right by him. So I don't know. It's just my dumb brain. Obviously you would think too, Razul Douglas is one of the more, you know, uh, he's not afraid to tackle, which some corners are. So to have him in the slot is a bit of a benefit, but in the past game, I don't know. We'll just kind of see what happens there. Uh, Eric Stroke, Eric Strokes, Eric Stokes, great game. Fifty snaps, only one target, and he it was six yards. So for a corner, <laughs> you can't really ask much more than that. It feels like this is what Eric Stokes was on the back half of last year, where he'd either get burnt a lot or he would have a game where he's just really not thrown at. And this was a don't throw at him type game. Uh, with Jerry Alexander going down. The backup slot corner, Keyshawn Nixon, came into play. Is that who was covering Gage? Yes. So okay. Keyshawn, Keyshawn Nixon. That makes more sense because he was feasting. Yeah. So, yeah. And Keyshawn, you know, he's, this is just his first year with the Packers. Uh, a lot of people know he was with the Raiders before this. He was a Rich Visaccia, the special teams coordinator, one of his guys that we signed. But, yeah, for coming in cold, he had a pretty solid game. Uh, in the slot there. So maybe we'll see that depending on how long Jair is going to be out. But yes, he forced the fumble on Gage, which is nice. He had a big hit week one, I believe, when he got hurt. But either way, if nothing else, he looks like a very solid depth piece, which has been tough for the Packers to find in the uh, Aaron Rodgers era. Uh, moving on to safety, Adrian Amos, pretty solid bounce back game, especially the first half. Uh, it felt like he had two tackles right at the line of scrimmage, which was nice after he struggled with that in the first few games, kind of just missing them. Uh, so I was glad to see that. Also, Darnell Savage, once again, I don't think he messed up much. And with your safeties, as long as they don't make pretty clear mistakes, I am happy with that. Inside linebacker, Quay Walker, forced the fumble. You know, I was just a sack away from my bold prediction coming true where I said, you know, he'd force a turnover and get a sack. It was nice <laughs> looking back to Quay. 
he they haven't well Joe Barry in general doesn't blitz much but they did send him on one and even on that he used a spin move which was kind of funny to see when you don't see even guys like Gary using those more <laughs> exotic finesse type moves but again uh Quay not the best in the ground game but the defense did only allow the 2.9 yards per carry from Leonard Fournette which fuck going into this game I would have taken that very, very easily. I thought this was going to be a defensive running type game, and it was very defensive, but uh, a little bit more passing than running for the most part. And obviously, Devondre Campbell had a pretty solid game too, along with the game-saving play on defense on the two-point conversion. Moving on to outside linebacker, Rashawn Gary, another game, another sack. He hasn't been the game wrecker I think we thought he would be at the start of the season. Obviously, still time, but God, even if, I mean, I guess he could have been a game wrecker. We don't know, especially the last drive of the game. These offensive tackles were just absolutely mugging Preston and mostly Gary. I, uh, there was one hole that they got on Gary on that. Remember the Tom Brady long run that he had? Yes. Thank, thank God that came back because of a, a hold on Gary because that would have been pretty fucking embarrassing. But, uh, yeah. Pretty well, another game-changing moment, too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Preston Smith had, you know, didn't show up in the stat sheet that much, but he did sniff out that double reverse. That would have been pretty fucking embarrassing, too. Remember, they came into the side, pitched it back, and apparently that was actually going to be a double reverse flea flicker. But Preston just stayed Is home, that, sniffed out yeah, the play, when they and passed, it wasn't that was, for anything. Yep, I remember that play, and it was like, what are they doing? Because yeah. I didn't know, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just like, pass, pass. It was wild. Yeah, because we got kind of pissed off because it was like, oh, yeah, you're going to try to use that fucking that uh, trick, tricky shit on us. And, and it was and... nice to see it backfire. Yes. I remember being pumped about that. Yes. Uh, the last pass rusher edge guy to talk about would be J.J. Anikbare, my dude. Uh, snaps increased once again and even played more than Jonathan Garvin. Uh, you know, he hasn't made any flashy plays yet, but if nothing else, the fact that the team feels good enough about him to keep putting him out there more and more is great. Just for reference, I mean, every year is different, but three games in, he's already played more snaps than Rashawn Gary did his rookie year so it's just showing you obviously we had precedent z back then but it's showing you that they still believe in him enough to play him in these situations where usually you think maybe they'd roll with more of a veteran player like jonathan garvin but uh yeah i love him and if nothing else i don't know why i always think i think andy malumba when i see him out on the field one of our <laughs> pass rushers back in the day but more than anything else, I like that he plays without gloves, too. Kind of like that Vl Vladimir Guerrero type nice deal with a uh, yeah, kind of throwback type player. Um, defensive line, Kenny Clark, once again, pretty much the only guy to talk about. Might be having his best year as a pro. He is the highest graded pass rushing defensive lineman in the league. And I'm not quite sure what everyone else is doing. Once again, he had two sacks, I believe, on Sunday. Just an absolute beast. Every week we get multiple... Uh, highlights of him just bulldozing an offensive lineman. So can't can't say anything else but good things about Kenny Clark. Moving on to special teams, Rudy Ford, Keyshawn Nixon, and even John Lovett were the uh, guys to talk about on the coverage units. Pat O'Donnell, the punter, was phenomenal. Right now he has the ninth best punting average in the league, but the fifth best in net yardage, which is great. Just shows you how good the coverage units really are. You know, we joked about J.K. Scott being a weapon back in the day, our old punter. 
But honestly, now with Pat O'Donnell and Rudy Ford, it seems like we do have a legitimate weapon. It was a huge difference maker in this game. I feel like years past with the special teams and defense, you kind of expect the opposing team to start every drive on God, like the 30, 35 yard line. And on Sunday, it, it really felt like they didn't start anything better than the 15. And for the most part, it was like the 10, 10 yard line where every punt got down. It also helps when you fumble on the one yard line, but yes. Um, before we go on too much, I, I, I know we talked about this last week back on the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, if we only look, obviously cherry picking stats at the last 10 quarters of football, meaning week one against the Vikings in Minneapolis, we mm-hmm. take out that first half. The Packers have uh, allowed two and a half points per quarter, <laughs> which is insane. That's and it is the good. lowest in the NFL to date. Uh, least. The least. Yes. yes. Like, so the best. You know? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's which, only 10 points again, a game. You know, they, let, they let like 27 up that first half, which skews things and again i'm cherry picking a, a small part mm-hmm. but very proud of the defense and and you couldn't be happier with, with what they're doing yeah absolutely just you know having both the special teams and defense coming together at the same time like this is a nice asset to have you know once again while the offense is just kind of figuring out exactly what they're going to be but with that uh you know what time it is i hope it's uh my favorite segment well it's that is kyle an idiot it is i'm not an idiot okay you sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? Andrew, you are... What, what are you? One? I mean, you I like to one? say one and a half. You know, yeah, you I got are, that uh, Levi's one. God, yeah. So you're uh, one, one and a half and six, whatever. You're not yeah, having a good well, I think we'll say one and a half and nine, actually. We haven't had that many questions. That's We've, true. One and a half or six. Makes a lot more sense. (laughs) All right, right, Andrew. First question for the week. Which of these is the name of a former Packer? You've you've been absolutely knocking these out. Oh and two here. All right. Is it Alex Cameron, CJ Wilson, or Neo Cortex? CJ Wilson. B. Very good. Yes, you finally got one right. Of I course, mean, as as you know, C.J. Wilson was a defensive uh, end, defensive obviously. tackle for the Super Bowl team, didn't play too much, and he played the piano the night before the Super Bowl. I would never forget that. Yes, of course. Uh, Alex Cameron is a musician, and Neocortex is the uh, boss, the bad guy in the uh, Crash Bandicoot series. If we're if we're being honest here, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I'm <laughs> one in three on those questions, which mm-hmm. makes sense because it's, you know, likely one out to of get three, one yes. out of three. Now... I knew that that other guy was from a video game. I was like very sure. That mm-hmm. was like I was more confident in that than the Packer player. So did you play Crash Bandicoot? Yeah, I did. Up? I oh, like the did. Nintendo sixty four. See, I think it was right. No, see that's. I, oh I, no, I, I played Bando Banjo Tooie. Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh my God. So okay, once again, just failing up on the uh, yeah. trivia questions. All right, very good, Andrew. One and zero for the week. Second question. Once again, Brett Favre is still in the news this week for being a terrible, no good, very bad, horrible person. We learned not only did he uh, take tax dollars to make a volleyball stadium, but he even tried to get more for uh, the practice facility for the football team at Southern Miss. So, yeah, very good there. With that, Andrew, can you give me three players who caught touchdown passes from Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers? Oh, I love this. Okay. Uh, Greg Jennings. One. Um. Uh oh. <laughs> no, sorry. Jordy Nelson. Oh, 
Yes, barely. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. And, uh, Jordy's rookie year was Favre's last year with the Packers. And Randall Cobb. God, is Randall Cobb going to be out if it yep. is? Yep. So you are wrong, Andrew. Randall oh. Cobb was, of course, uh, the first player born in the '90s to score a touchdown, meaning he was drafted after the Super Bowl year, which was after uh, Aaron Rodgers was already starting, so he did not have a chance to yeah. catch anything from one Brett Favre. I would have accepted. You know, I would have taken Donald Driver. I would not have taken, uh, or no, sorry, I would have even taken James Jones. Did you know Greg Jennings was? Oh, Aaron you know what? Now that it, sorry, first? now that I think of it, you were you were wrong with Jordy too. Jordy never was played I? with uh, with Favre. Yeah, I think. See, and that's where I think, I think he did. Oh God! Either I'm sorry. It's either James Jones or Jordy Nelson. One was drafted the year before the other. Either way, you I you was, went with Randall yeah, Cobb. So yeah, yeah. No, wrong. we're wrong. We're I would have accepted Donald Lee as well. Uh, maybe I would have gotten if you wanted to go with the running back. But uh, yeah. All right, one on one for the week. Andrew, here's your third question. Andrew, who was the Bucks running back in the height of the Packers' bad defense in 2011 who broke eight tackles on one run for a 54-yard touchdown? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is like a ridiculous, I mean, 2000 and what year? Hang on. 2011? 2011. Okay. Most Buccaneers. A lot of fans remember this play because it is I, probably, I mean, we've had a lot of embarrassing defensive plays over the years, but this yeah. is definitely in the top five. No, I... I'm, I mean, I know it's not anywhere like uh, I just I'm going to go something stupid that might be in that time frame, mm-hmm. but it's not that stupid. Mm-hmm. Jerome Bettis. Oh, my God. Oh, is that way too early? He's way too early, isn't uh, he? Oh, uh, well, w- one wrong team. Uh, <laughs> it This was one LeGarrette Blunt who uh, went yeah. on to he win a Super Bowl. He played for New England, too, didn't he? Yeah, he played, See, he played okay. for them. He played for the Eagles. He jumped around. I, yeah, I think of him as a, an Upper East Coast guy, not a Lower <laughs> East Coast guy, you know? <laughs> wow. Well, that was an incredibly uh, bad guess. But, hey, you you tried <gasps> oh, your best, right? It sucks because after 2008, too, my week one excuse was anything post-08, I got it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't. You, you clearly do not. You were one and two for the week. Well, Andrew, maybe it we sounds can like, yeah, you have a stump spending move, question for move me. Move into stump spending, yeah. So as as you know, you know the pack has has been in Green Bay mm-hmm. since their conception. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people know that obviously they did not play at Lambeau to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I asked Packer fans mm-hmm. to make sure that this wasn't a gimme. Mm-hmm. And you asked Packer fans. I asked a few people. I oh, made okay. some phone calls mm-hmm. today. Yep. And said, "Hey, do you know?" <laughs> and everyone said, "I called three for three. Yep. They all said City Field was the first place that the Packers played. And Green Bay. Okay. They're wrong. Do you know where it was? Uh, Okay. Well, it depends on what your... There's different answers here. Sure. So there's a field, and it's the initial place that they started is now a restaurant. Sure. So, well, first of all, I don't think it's City Field. I think it was City Stadium is what it was I'm sorry. You're right. City Stadium is what I should have said. Other than that, I believe it was a park, and it's a very disgusting name. It's like Hoglin... Hoglin... You got. It. I mean, you're essentially it is it is what close is it? enough what because it? it's like Hagmeister. Yes, it, you know, I which does sound like gross. To, like Hagmeister. That uh, sounds like a, a a goblin from Harry Potter or something. You know, yeah, you're not too far off. Yeah, it's that it does sound like uh, yeah. something in the Harry Potter world. But yeah, that's because uh, I remember Hagmeister. If you ever have free time, there's the ten part or whatever part uh, documentary series on the Green Bay Packers by the Green Bay Packers that is on YouTube. 
And even early on there, I thought it was hilarious because the first stock sale for the Packers, and I think this was at City Stadium, not the park, but the money went to putting a fence around the field so that they could start charging people to make money. The first like three the years, they like just drove their cars up and watched from their car. Oh, yeah. Is it, what I'm re- I was reading because I was trying to, you know, all kinds of things to try to find a good question. And yeah. uh, early on, they would literally take a hat and pass it around in the stands for people uh, for donations. As I well. see that like they were forced basically to like build a quality stadium because the NFL was going to make a move to Milwaukee in like the 50s. Yeah, it was I mean, a there, huge thing. There's a bunch of okay. different funny things with the Packers in the early years, too. Like they almost went under. I think the second or third stock sale was actually to help legal issues because a fan fell out of the stands and got injured and sued the franchise, and they almost went under after that. So yeah, just uh, just another <laughs> yeah, just yeah. another story in the in the history of the Green Bay Packers. But moving on. Well, congratulations on your uh, positive record. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you gave me, uh, mm-hmm. even though I said Hogley, whatever. I was I'd going give with. it to you. I mean, it's close. I was it's directionally there. correct. Yes. Moving on to the preview for the Patriots game. Green Bay Packers are playing the Patriots at Lambeau Field, 325 kickoff. It is a CBS game, so we have Tony Romo and Jim Nance on the call. Nice little switch up, I guess, after the first few weeks. Uh, Packers are favored by 10 points. 10 points. The second highest favorite in the week. Ooh, okay. There you go. Nice little tidbit there. Uh, The over-under is set at 40, which is even less than last week, which is a little... Surprising, I don't know. I guess we'll get into that. By uh, kickoff last week, it ended at 42. So it started at 41 or 40 and a half. And now, it, I mean, it moved up, you know. But sure. yeah, it is even less to a very, very low one already. Okay. Uh, the Patriots are one and two on the season. It is a, you know, very historical matchup between Bill Belichick, the coach with the most Super Bowl victories, going up against Matt LaFleur, who has the best winning percentage in the NFL. It is a momentous occasion here. Uh, the offense for the Patriots, you know, still kind of figuring things out. Mac Jones, the quarterback, is going to be out. Brian Hoyer will be in starting. Wait, Mac Jones is out? Yep. I did not. I was going to say that he, why is he out? Is he injured? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had a high ankle sprain on Sunday, so he is out. He's probably going to be out a couple weeks, but yes, he's I don't think he's been ruled out yet. They haven't practiced yet, but yes, he's definitely going to be out this week, it sounds like. Their leading receivers are Nelson Aguilar and Devontae Parker, which is funny. Just a couple of retreads for how much Packer fans bitch about the Packers not doing anything at wide receiver. The Patriots have done even less on their team. Uh, They're a run-first team, of course, with with what they have. Uh, Ramon Stevenson and Damian Harris are their backs, both having a pretty solid year uh, with a 4.6 and 5.0 average running the ball. Their defense is a little suspect. Usually you can always count on them, but they haven't done that great so far. Uh, Derich Wise Jr., their defensive end, has four sacks on the season, and Matthew Judon has three. Okay. Did Mac Jones get hurt at the end of the game? Because Brian Hoyer didn't throw a pass last week. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't so watch what, the game. I just saw the I just saw the news that he was out. Okay. That, it must have been one of the last plays yeah. because, I mean, I'm going to not to skip segments here, but... I had a hot take. Oh, boy. What were you going to say? My hot take, not watching the Patriots game of last week, was that we were going to hold 
Mac Jones to zero touchdowns and under 250 passing yards. I probably wouldn't have said that was bold enough. And obviously <laughs> now that's going to happen sure. since he's not lining up to play. Yes. You yeah. know? So um, I'm going to, when we do get there, okay. I'm going to transfer that same thing into Brian Hoyer. Yeah. But yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. It's, it, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to play the Patriots without Tom Brady. Obviously, he's been with the Bucks. This is his third year now, but you kind of lose the luster. I feel like this is usually a game you would circle, but now, especially with Mac Jones being out too, it's... Well, and they're just not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, very much. They're a, a one and two football team. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the game goes. I don't know a ton about the Patriots. Obviously, an uncommon opponent here, but... We're at that point of the season. I'm glad we're two and one. Everything's looking pretty solid right now. And these next three games are kind of, you know, cupcakes compared to the Bills, who we will play after this stretch here. So not a lot. Looking forward to the game. Hopefully it's uh, a shit kicker. We'll see. But uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Andrew? Well, I think it's going to actually, I'm always a fan of the over, but I, I just don't think the Patriots, they might not score a touchdown. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, they've been lackluster based on at least the box scores okay. that I'm looking at here, okay. the total yards. It's it's gross. With the exception of week one against the Ravens, I think it was, mm-hmm. they had like all rushing touchdowns, and it's just they, they don't move, and a defensive touchdown. So it, it just seems to be boring offense, three and outs, not moving the balls, especially yep. with the way our defense is playing. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that competitive. Um, so I'm looking forward to a win, of course. Ooh, I hope, you know. You, you're very confident but here. I, I would probably even, like, go Packers covering the 10 points. Wow. And the under. I just I just don't see, unless Brian Hoyer comes out with some magic, you know, like Fitzpatrick would as a backup quarterback and goes balling. I just, I just don't think there's anything to it. Okay. Okay. Well, we're running right into it then here, Andrew. What is your score prediction for this game? Yeah, I'm gonna go, gonna go a little bit more hot take here than normal because I think we're going to eat up that second half. Mm, I just yum, yum. we're gonna just yep feast. Um, I'm gonna go thirty-two to six. Packers. Packers. Thirty-two to six. Yeah, thirty-two to six. That is a very ugly score. Yeah, I just think we're gonna get like a couple rush touchdowns that we eat the clock up in the third and mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Maybe a, an odd pass, but we'll go into halftime up 21 rip. Okay. Know? Okay. You know, we almost did this week, so hopefully we yes. can uh, that would be we nice. can actually do it against the Patriots. Uh, yeah, I I have a similar score. God, I mean, I don't want to, once again, overlook this team, especially when coached by Bill Belichick. I think he's probably looking forward to this game, too, going up against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, I'm... I think the offense is going to still move the ball. I don't know if we're going to go in the 30s. I think maybe we'll sniff it. I'm going to say the Packers will win this game 28-10. to 10. I don't have – the only thing that does scare me is th- this uh, running back duo that they have. As long as we can slow down the running game, I would be very surprised if the Packers lose. So, yeah, that's what I got for a score. Andrew? What is Belichick's record uh, post Brady era. So is well, I guess what I'm asking is is Belichick the genius? I know this is a, a controversial. You can have this conversation a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. But 
is he actually anything to be feared, or was it Tom Brady carrying? I mean, is he even a, does he even have a plus five hundred record? I don't after know. After Brady's it's, gone, it's tough because the thing everyone looked at the one year Brady tore his ACL, Matt Castle came in, and the Patriots still won eleven games, but sure. did miss the playoffs. So now it's just been you know this is the third year without Brady. I think everyone kind of looks past that first year where it was you know Cam Newton for the most part and. Last year, Mac Jones, a rookie. This time, you know, second year. So, I don't know. We give him a lot of excuses, but I still think he is the greatest football coach of all time. We'll I, see. We'll see what he puts together here. Uh, but I yeah, have Googled I it in the know. meantime. Yep. And I have found that Belichick is 70 and 79 overall without Brady and 29 and yeah, 58 well, against teams with a 500 record. Yeah, but so that's tough too because uh, Belichick, he was a coach for the Browns, I believe, back in the day. Sorry, not without Brady. Post Brady. Post Brady. Post Brady. That doesn't make sense. Nope. Must be overall. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's why I assumed the same. So, okay, that was good. I. It's too bad we don't have Hank here to fact check the fact checker. But, that would uh, be nice. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I always think Belichick's more important than Brady, but we're never gonna we're never gonna know. If nothing else, Brady's always had a really good defense, and Belichick has been a well football mind. He did run those defenses back then too. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, you could argue all day. Who's it's, to say? Yeah. Well, you know what comes before the outro? Your hot take. Bold predictions. Yeah. Yes. So what is your bold prediction this week? My Andrew? bold prediction is that Brian Hoyer throws. <laughs> three interceptions okay. and is held to under 225 yards and zero TDs. Okay. Wow. I'm glad it's like, you know, three interceptions might've been enough. And then you just kept uh, adding on to it. So I really is... wanted to, uh, <laughs> I, you know, hit something crazy here. Yes. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. That is a very bold prediction. I hope that happens. My bold prediction. God, what did I do? I did. Uh, well, I think I did defense the first two weeks, so I guess you know I'll go I'll go offense here. Uh, you know I don't know if he will be back, but we'll we'll see. We haven't even had an injury report yet, but I will say I think Christian Watson will have his first NFL touchdown, and I think it will be over forty yards. It'll be a oh, wow, oh, larger I would love than forty yards. See it? Yeah, I would too. First yeah. quarter, I can see it happening though. I'd, yeah, I'd love it. You know, maybe they'll put that in there to try to get him back on back on track after the big drop he had the first week. Can you reiterate your score prediction, please? Because um, I don't think you said it. I think you started talking about Bill Belichick. Nope, I did say it. I said uh, 28 to 10. Okay, yes. thank you. Yeah, there you go. So now you know. So you're a firm believer in the under as well and the Packers covering. Eh, I don't know. I guess I have that there. But like last week, if I had to bet gun in my head, I well, 40 is so low, though. I don't know. I I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch it either way. Cool. But with that, everyone's favorite part of the episode. If you could please leave a five star review, that would be pretty cool. And we've or just a rating. That would be nice as well. You can do it on Apple or on Spotify. But on Apple, you can leave reviews. And we did. Andrew, have a new review this week. Are you ready? I'm ready. It is a glowing review. It is in from Winston Churchill. Payne is his name. I'm sure it's the it's the real uh, Winston Churchill. Good listen. Five stars. Other than a bunch of guys living in Minneapolis pretending to be true Green Bay Packer fans or <laughs> true Green Bay fans, it's pretty good. All I'll right. I'll take pretty good all day. Yeah. Thank you, you know? Winston. And just 
so we're clear here. We are from Wisconsin, but now we live in the cities, which is unfortunate. But right, right. Things, things but could you do be. what you got to do, you know? Yeah, there's you know, there's more jobs here than more in jobs. Superior, Wisconsin. Yes. So with that, Andrew, oh, my God, what uh, what a week it's been. But uh, look forward one. to the Patriots. Hopefully we can keep this rolling, but I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? I don't. Let's go pack. Cool. Well, with that, Eric Cuskin, please don't sue us. Andrew, Spencer, how how are your dogs doing today? <laughs> oh, my dogs are, they're always happy. How many know? dogs do you have? I have four dogs. Okay, yeah. normal, very normal. Very standard, everyone. I only want I sing this song to Luna all the time. I sing, I only want one dog, and then I got you. And anyway, um, now I have four dogs, so met a fiance. Is that within uh, city ordinance? No. Okay. Okay. But cool. I will not release what city. It's okay. We're not releasing your last name, so you're Perfect. fine. Well, that as well. But uh, three dogs is the city ordinance limit, unless we were to open up a residential, uh, what do you call it, shelter. Uh huh. Um, and it's a it's a <laughs> thing, and we've looked into it, and like, we will do it if we need to, <laughs> from the city. Like we have a plan in place, you know. But hopefully, our neighbors are pretty good, and we're pretty good with you know keeping them. Not ex- excessive. It, it's still, game. it's still, you know, you're in charge of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what do you do? 